You're listening to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, episode 9. Welcome to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, where we bring you engaging conversations about wildlife conservation issues from all across the globe. I'm your host, Matt Podolsky. On today's episode of the show, we're taking a bit of a different approach. All of our previous episodes have featured interviews with wildlife professionals, some of whom have stepped outside of their shell to learn about wildlife filmmaking. In this episode, I'll explain how I first stepped outside of my shell and made the transition from field biologist to filmmaker. Along the way, I'll be providing tips for all of the fellow aspiring filmmakers out there. So to get things started, I'll give you guys a bit of an intro on where I'm coming from and my experience with both filmmaking and wildlife biology. So I graduated college in upstate New York. I graduated with degrees in both environmental studies and cinema and photography. Despite this, I had no intention at the time of becoming a documentary filmmaker. Uh, I wanted to write screenplays, actually, but the barrier to break into that industry just seemed too insurmountable to me. So I decided to pursue work in field biology. Um, And I already had two summer field jobs under my belt. And when I graduated, I landed a position, a field technician position in Jamaica that lasted for six months. Uh, At this point, I did not even own a video camera. Um, I'm pretty sure the camera I took with me was my old school uh, film SLR camera, um, which I used rather infrequently. I think I took maybe one roll of film the entire six month period I was there. This job was fun and rewarding in many respects, uh, but also quite frustrating, mainly because the structure of the work was very rigid. So with a month or two left on the Jamaica job, I was starting to think about what I'd do next, and I got a lead on a job working with California condors. It turned out that a former professor of mine from Ithaca College had several of his former students already working on this project, and the project director had actually asked this professor of mine for a recommendation. So it looked like I was in, and I started to make plans for a move across the country to northern Arizona as soon as I returned from the island. The California condor job was light years different from anything else that I had experienced. After just one week of training, I was given my own vehicle and complete freedom to go anywhere in pursuit of these condors, all of which were outfitted with radio transmitters. I spent countless hours in the northern Arizona deserts, up on the forested plateaus, and down in the canyons following the little blip, blip of transmitter signals from these birds. Now, as important as this job was, monitoring the health of this condor population and assisting in the release of new birds into the population, after about a year of doing this work, uh, I, I did start to feel a little bit of that frustration again. Um, this work that I was doing was, was wildlife management work. I was performing the tasks necessary to maintain this population of endangered birds, but I wanted to have a more substantial impact. I wanted to show people why condors were dying and what had caused their decline in the first place. All of the biologists on the crew knew the answers to these questions, but it seemed like the general public was completely unaware. This was the seed of my interest in documentary filmmaking, and it brings up the first lesson that I want to convey to all of our listeners out there, which is that you must be passionate about the topic that you choose for a documentary film. 
This is the case whether you're thinking about a feature-length film, as I was at this time, or just a three-minute web release film. If you don't care passionately about the topic, it will show through in the final product. That is if you even make it to the stage of having a final product. Um, I'd been working with Condors for at least a year when I started shooting for this documentary, um, and it would be another four years before I was actually able to finish the film. There were countless times when I could have given up, when anyone else with less passion about the idea and the topic most likely would have given up, um, but I cared so deeply about these birds and about getting this message out that I continued regardless of the cost. This is not to say that I had a model approach towards producing this film, far from it, but by walking you through all of the steps and missteps that I took along the way, hopefully I can reduce this learning curve for other aspiring filmmakers. So the first step towards producing a documentary film, and the first step that I took all those years ago, is to get your ideas down on paper. This is absolutely essential, as it helps you organize your thoughts and ideas and start to develop your story. I mentioned story development before talking about shooting equipment or techniques, because story development is so much more important. There's simply nothing more important than the storyline of your documentary film. You can get away with pretty low-quality video uh, if you've got a compelling story. So simply brainstorming ideas is, is a good first step. Um, just get all of those thoughts and ideas down on paper, um, and just that process will get you thinking about the connections between these ideas and how they might fit together to create something cohesive. Um, another thing I tell folks is to share these ideas with other people. Don't be afraid to share your rough story outlines. Feedback from others can be extremely helpful and allow you to see different perspectives. One thing that I see a lot in story outlines for Eyes on Conservation videos that I review for uh, aspiring filmmakers, um, especially those who are coming from a biology background, is a tendency to forget about some of the most basic information that you need to convey to an audience. Um, and, and I did this with my condor documentary. I was so engrossed in the world of condor recovery after spending the past year working on the project that I just assumed other people would know about the natural history of the condor. I forgot that I needed to make people care about this animal species before I would be able to convince them to take action to protect them. These are the first two things that you should be thinking about as you take these rough stream-of-consciousness notes and start to organize them into a coherent story. First, what is the central problem, issue, or question that you are trying to address in the story? And second... Why should the viewer care about this issue or problem? Now, I knew what my central problem was. This, was the, this is what was driving my passion for the project, the fact that condors were dying from lead poisoning, from ingesting carcasses laden with lead ammunition fragments. This was the controversial issue that I know I needed to address in my story, but I forgot, at least initially, to come up with a reason for other people to care about this issue. For me, it was obvious. Condor populations can't be successful unless this issue is resolved. But for people who have never seen a condor, don't know anything about the animal or its natural history, this isn't so obvious. I had to teach people about the condor and show them why this species is so unique and worth saving. Another very important factor to consider at this stage is who your target audience is. While it's very easy to just say that your film is intended for a general audience. Um, I, I think it's important to narrow this group down a bit and figure out who might have the strongest interest in your story, but also who might be able to have the strongest impact on that central issue or problem that you're trying to address in your story. 
For me, in the development of my Condor documentary, hunters were an obvious target group. Hunters were the target group uh, for my film because this was the group of people that could have an immediate and direct impact on the film's central issue. If hunters were to stop using lead-based ammunition and switch to non-lead, the problem at the center of my film would be solved. Of course, there are always complexities, and as my ideas about the film progressed, I ended up identifying additional target groups and goals for the film. In addition to convincing hunters to switch to non-lead ammo, I also wanted to break down some of the stereotypes associated with the hunting community. So a secondary target group for me was uh, uh, environmentalists, uh, non-hunters, who maybe had a negative opinion about hunting. Balancing these two opposing target groups proved to be one of my greatest challenges with this film, and, and I'm not entirely certain that I would have taken the same approach if I were to do it all over again. That said, the lead ammunition issue is is a particularly complex uh, uh, political conservation issue, um, and for a shorter web release documentary, uh, these considerations about target audience uh, uh, should be less complicated. So let's say you want to make a short documentary about a master's or PhD research project. The central question or issue at the heart of the video sh- at the heart of the video should be pretty clear. It will be the the same or similar at least to the hypothesis that's being tested in the research. But trying to explain why this is an important question to answer, this can be a bit more tricky. Um, but it is an important process to go through and one that will provide benefits beyond just the short documentary that you might be working on. Um, there are simply too many scientists out there who are unable to communicate to the general public why their research is important, and you don't want to be one of those scientists. Um, this is one of the most central lessons that many of the aspiring filmmakers that we work with on Eyes on Conservation films walk away with. Even if they don't continue making films um, after they've gone through this process, um, they walk away with a much better understanding of how to communicate their research and conservation goals to the general public. So, of course, your target audience will have an impact on how you go through this process as well. Maybe your target audience is limited to other scientists who already have an understanding and an, and an inherent interest in your central problem or issue. Your approach will be different, but you still have to show and explain why your research question is important. Um, you'll be doing this in just a slightly different way, given the existing knowledge base of your target audience. So once an audience both understands what the issue or problem is and they care about the outcome, we can delve into the meat of the story. I find it helpful to think about what questions some of the folks in your target group might have after learning about the problem or issue that's being addressed in the film. Communicating with and asking questions of people from your target group can be extremely helpful at this stage. For Scavenger Hunt, my film about California condors, I was able to spend lots of time talking with hunters about the lead ammunition issue and its impact on condors and other scavengers. Every hunting season, our job as condor biologists shifted from keeping track of the birds to outreach and education with hunters. I spent many days driving through the Kaibab National Forest, stopping at every hunting camp that I came across, and chatting with the hunters I encountered about the lead ammunition issue. This was absolutely fantastic research for my film. After explaining the basics of the issue, I was fascinated to hear what questions the hunters had. One of the most common questions I got was, if this is such a problem, why hasn't lead ammunition been banned? 
This became one of the central questions addressed throughout the film as we looked at different approaches towards solving the lead ammunition issue um, and compared areas where lead ammunition actually had been banned to other areas where efforts to reduce the amount of lead am- available lead ammunition in the field were only voluntary. So I would strongly recommend making a point to talk to members of your target audience. Conversations like the ones that I was able to have with hunters on the Kaibab Plateau can be extremely helpful in the development of your story. The questions that come up can highlight important issues that should be addressed in your film, and these are often issues that you wouldn't have thought of on your own. Uh, I was truly surprised by a lot of the responses I got from hunters when talking about um, the, lead, the lead poisoning issue, um, and these conversations that had uh, definitely had an impact on the direction of my film. Now we are at a point where that initial list of ideas should be developing into a legitimate story outline. But how to organize this story outline in a way that is helpful to you? Ultimately, there are two important purposes for your story outline or treatment for your film. The first purpose of the story outline should be to provide you with a shooting guide as you head into the production stage. So how to develop the story outline to make it most helpful for you down the road while shooting? I like to break my outline into descriptions of each specific scene that you hope to see in the final film. For each scene, you should be thinking about two things. What information do you want to convey, and how will it be conveyed? The, the how here is particularly important. Uh, if just the straight information was all that mattered, uh, all you would need to do is uh, uh, create some narration, shoot an interview or two, and you'd be done. Um, but this wouldn't be compelling to any audience. Um, we need to take advantage of the medium that we're working with here, um, which is this very visual medium. Um, we, we want to show this information as much as possible, um, rather than just telling people via narration or talking heads what's going on. So before I even start writing my outline or treatment for a film, I like to list on a whiteboard or with sticky notes all of the action scenes that I think might help tell my story. For example, in Scavenger Hunt, it was particularly important to show that California condors are dying of lead poisoning. We shot a scene in which one of the condor biologists revisits and recounts the story of a condor sick with lead poisoning that literally died in his arms. Rather than just telling the story, we hiked down into the canyon where the sick bird was found and had the biologist show us how and where the bird was found and how he was able to determine that it was dying of lead poisoning. Of course, it would have been even more powerful to have been there with my camera when this biologist had actually found the sick bird, but because I didn't happen to be in the right place at the right time, I had to find an alternate way to show this in an active way. It's very important to convey as much information as possible through active scenes rather than narration or talking heads. Um, And I I know I've already said this, but I'm going to repeat it again and again. Show, don't tell your target audience how things work, and your story will be much more compelling. It's important to be thinking about how you will show this information to your target audience before you start shooting, because this will play a huge role in coming up with your shot list and scheduling your shoots. I knew that I needed to set aside an entire day to travel out to this canyon where the sick condor had been recovered, and I had to work with the condor biologist who had recovered the bird and find a time that fit into his schedule. So let's recap what we've talked about so far. We've learned that we need to establish our problem or issue right up front, and that it is equally important to show why this problem or issue is important and why our target audience should care about it. We understand that the body of our story will be spent analyzing this problem or issue and answering questions that our target audience might have about this issue. 
we know that a story outline or treatment is an essential tool tool for organizing our thoughts about our story, and that this outline should be broken up into action scenes uh, to convey the information. We've learned that in these action scenes, we have to show our audience what's important rather than just tell them whenever possible, and that this requires some foresight and planning. Now, let's do some thinking about the unexpected circumstances that might arise when shooting. Because no matter how much planning you do before you go out and start shooting, you will always encounter unexpected situations in the field. And one of the most important skills to develop as a documentary filmmaker is the ability to think on your feet and be ready to capture the unexpected but important moments on camera. Now, while shooting for our half-hour documentary, Bluebird Man, we're out in the field with our main character checking Bluebird nest boxes Um, I had already gotten all of the shots that I'd hoped to for the day, and I was basically just helping our main character, Al, check his nest boxes when we encountered a nest box that had been knocked off of its fence post and was laying on the ground. This nest nest box had young chicks in it, which were still alive, which indicated that the box had fallen to the ground very recently. Now, I immediately recognized the importance that this incident could have for our story, because it showed how important Al's work was. If Al hadn't been out there uh, doing his work and checking these nest boxes, these chicks would have surely died. So I started rolling right away, and I captured Al putting the chicks back into the nest box, remounting the the box on a nearby fence post, um, and then observing from a distance to see if the parents would return and continue caring for the chicks, which they did. Even though we weren't rolling audio and the footage was a bit shaky, uh, that scene did end up in the final film, and it it turned out to be a very powerful way to show how important Al's work is. So the bottom line here is, do your best to prepare and plan out all your shoots, but also be ready for anything, because often the most powerful scenes in a film happen when you do happen to be in the right place at the right time, and you have the wherewithal to capture that moment. Uh, in in whatever way possible. Now, we've talked about how important your story outline or treatment is to be used as a tool for yourself when you're going out and starting to shoot, Um, but there is another very important reason to have a well-thought-out story outline or treatment uh, before you start shooting, Um, and this is that you need to be able to share the story with other people, um, even before you have any footage in the can, so to speak, to show other people. Um, this is especially important if you're seeking funding for your film. Um, it's, it's absolutely essential to have a, a really well thought out uh, a story outline or treatment. Um, potential funders are going to need to be able to visualize your story uh, before they agree to give you any money. Um, and in fact, a full project proposal, uh, which would include your film, film treatment along with some additional information, is, uh, is going to be absolutely necessary when reaching out to potential funders. Um, But we'll have more on that in a future episode uh, focused specifically on fundraising. So for now, let's assume that you're sort of starting out um, with either a very minimal budget or hoping to do most of this uh, uh, work on this film on on a volunteer basis. Um, You're also going to want to share this story outline or treatment with everyone who will be involved in the production of your film. Now, the first thing that I did upon finalizing my initial draft of my story treatment for Scavenger Hunt was I printed out copies for everyone on the Condor crew, and I handed them out. The importance of this step cannot be overemphasized. Um, You need other people to 
successfully produce a documentary, even a very short one. Um, and even if you're shooting, recording audio, and conducting interviews all by yourself, your subjects need to believe in your story um, if you're going to get them to participate. Now, the response that I got from the biologists on the Condor crew after sending around the first story treatment was hugely positive. I learned that my fellow biologists working on this project shared a lot of the frustration that had inspired me to initiate the project, um, and, and they, all, they were all very excited that, that I was gearing up to take this message to a larger audience. Now, although the story outline was the central feature of this document that I handed out to everyone on my crew, um, I did have some additional information in there. And this is because I wanted help from people on the, the crew. Um, I, I didn't want to spend a bunch of money hiring a video crew. Um, I was hoping to enlist the volunteer effort of my colleagues, and I was hoping that I can inspire them to collaborate with me on this project using um, my story outline. So what additional information did I include in this project proposal in addition to my story outline? Well, first of all, I had a short one-paragraph introduction explaining why I wanted to make the film. Now, this introduction should be personal. Uh, maybe use an anecdote that you feel demonstrates your passion for this story. A production plan is also an essential piece of this document um, because it tells everybody what you will be shooting. Most people need some warning and mental preparation before you shove that camera in their face. So it's really important to let them know ahead of time when you might be there with that camera, hoping to capture the action. Uh, now, you don't have to get too detailed, but you definitely want a start and end date for a production timeline. And any ideas that you have for the timing of when you'll need to get out and get certain shots is going to be helpful. A distribution plan is also an important piece to have in there as well. Um, and again, this does not have to be very detailed, but you do need to explain to people where this film will end up. Um, you need to show them that it's worth their effort and their participation. Um, this is a good spot to explain who your target audience is, um, as this is going to direct in many ways how you plan to distribute the final film. And lastly, a personnel list with a short bio and info on past projects. Now, this may seem silly when producing a document for people that you already know pretty well, um, but I decided to include it in my proposal for one simple reason, which is that my colleagues on the Condor crew, they knew me as a biologist, but not as a filmmaker. And I felt like they needed to see that I had some background, however limited, in filmmaking as well. I needed to convince them that I had the ability to follow through on this project, especially because I was looking to enlist their support and participation. If you have other folks who will be helping you out on shoots, this would be a good place to provide some background information on them. It's a good idea to show that you have some outside support, um, and it's also a good idea just to let people know that there might be another person or two tagging along on some of these shoots. Now, one final point to make here is the importance of talking with the crew leader, supervisor, or primary investigator on the project that you are hoping to document. It's probably a good idea in certain situations to share this project proposal with this person first before handing it out to everyone that you want to be involved in the project. Some organizations will be overjoyed to have a film documenting their research or conservation work, while others might be a bit hesitant. It's best to know this as early as possible, definitely before you start shooting, so you're not wasting everyone's time and pursuing a project that you can't get approval to release. 
Although I did follow these guidelines when getting started on scavenger hunt, I ended up dealing with a very tricky situation regarding the organization managing condo recovery in Arizona. This, however, didn't come until a much later stage in the process, and we'll get to that in a future episode. For now, we'll end on the very positive impact that my initial project proposal had on all of the folks who I hoped would be involved in the project. So, to recap, I took the time to get all of my ideas down on paper and then organize them into a cohesive storyline. I got feedback through this process from friends and family whose opinions I trusted. I used the story outline that I came up with to create a formal project proposal, which I shared with all of the people who I hoped at the time would be involved in the film in any way. The immediate result was a group of people who were energized about my idea and willing to help out in whatever way they could to assist in achieving the end goal of producing a documentary with the potential to affect change. So there it is, the first step in my transition from field biologist to wildlife filmmaker. Of course, at this point, the transition was far from camp- from complete. I was still working full-time as a biologist and spending all of my free time developing this film idea. But hopefully, explaining each stage of this transition will be helpful to other folks out there in similar situations. Working full-time jobs, getting started on a film project in their free time. That said, I am very curious to hear from all of our listeners about how helpful this episode has been. This is a different approach than I have taken thus far on the podcast, and I would love to get some of this feedback from our listeners on how interesting or helpful you found this episode to be. So if you loved it or if you hated it, uh, please let me know. Um, and I'm gonna have I'm gonna have listeners uh, uh, provide feedback to me by sending me a, a direct email. Um, so if you want to provide feedback, shoot that email to Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W, at wildlensinc.org. That's W-I-L-D-L-E-N-S-I-N-C.org. And if you put podcast episode feedback in the subject line, that will let me know what I'm looking for here. And I'm even going to throw in some incentives to provide feedback on this episode for our listeners. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to randomly select two people from among all the folks who respond and send me this email. And these two lucky folks will win a scavenger hunt non-lead branded uh, t-shirt. Second, anyone who would like to see a copy of that original scavenger hunt project proposal that I wrote up um, and that I talk about throughout this episode, request this in your email response and I will happily send it your way. So shoot me that email letting me know what you thought about this episode and if you have any ideas on how I might improve these how-to segments moving forward on the podcast. As always, we'll have show notes up on the website, which will include links to watch the scavenger hunt trailer and the full film. I'll also have links to some additional resources up there. I'm going to throw a list of a few books that helped me out when I was first learning the ins and outs of documentary filmmaking. Um, so definitely check out those show notes at wildlensinc.org slash blog slash EOC9. That's wildlensinc.org slash blog slash EOC9. And as always, I'm your host, Matt Podolsky, signing off.